Welcome to Bad in the Boondocks. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Dan. And I'm Drew. How's it going? It's going pretty good as always, Drew. But tonight, today, whenever you're listening to us, we have a special guest from a different podcast. Actually, this is our first guest from another podcast. Exactly. So, Ah. we're virgins on this. (laughs) This is exciting. I know it is from... Who are you? <laughs> I'm Heather, and I'm from Nature versus Narcissism. This is so cool. I'm your first guest. Yep, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been super excited to do this. Yes, we've been planning this for months, I feel like. Well, definitely yeah. since at least June. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So can you tell everybody what your podcast is about and what they can listen for? Awesome. Yes. Um, So Nature versus Narcissism is true crime comedy, and I cover serial killers with a multitude of different guests. We have um, other podcast hosts. We have Rochelle. She's the main co-host. And then we also have like guests who want to be on the show, just like friends, family, random people we meet at bars. You know, it's just like anybody who wants to be on can be on. Um, Yeah. We basically cover serial killers in an alphabetical order. So season one was alphabetical by the serial killer's name. And season two, we switched it up a bit and we are doing alphabetical by location. And they don't necessarily have to be a serial killer. They just have to have killed at least one person because we're just doing, you know, lesser known murderers as well. So and it's all over the countries, all over our Mm -hmm. country, all over other countries. It's a a huge mix of um, killers. So, so if you have not ever went and checked out Nature versus Narcissism, make sure that you do it today. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You'll get a whole bunch of episodes from October. <laughs> yes, a whole lot because she did one every day in October. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that is dedication. Yeah. Where can they find you at? Uh, pretty much everywhere. Um, I always forget my handles from <laughs> uh, social media site to social media site. But basically, if you just look up nature versus narcissism on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, you'll find me. Um, you can also look on Spreaker.com. That's usually the easiest because then all the handles are listed right there as well. All right. And you can cut it. Awesome. Okay. That was nice. Now we both have little intros. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Perfect. All right. Um, do you guys want me to start or do you guys want to start or how do you want to do that? What you want to do, Drew? I don't don't leave the decision <laughs> up to me. I'm not good at making decisions. It doesn't matter. Whatever you want. All right. Oh, how about since you guys are on one podcast, one of you does one, I'll do the middle one and then There you go. There, there you go. go. Okay. <laughs> I'll go last. Okay, I'll go first then. I mean, I could go first, but I mean... I'll go first. I don't know. I don't mind saying it. I'll go first. All right. Take one for the team. Yes, I will. Okay. Okay, so our first Halloween episode, our first collab Halloween episode is going to be about just crimes, murders. I mean, that's what we're good at, right? So, Stan, you take it away. You give us a murder or a crime, make it grisly, and then we'll go from there. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to talk about Amanda Cope today. It's a 12-year-old girl with dreams. She had playing the violin and becoming a veterinarian. Oh, my God. You really had to go there, huh? Yeah. Jeez. She (laughs) she didn't die from cancer or any other disease. You see, Amanda Cope, she was a seventh grader at Sullivan Middle School in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And in 2001, she was brimming with hope. Despite living in poverty, and I do mean poverty, despite sleeping in a bed that had a fan blowing over it in the cold nights of November, a fan to keep the cockroaches away. Oh, Oh, wow. The home was so bad, Amanda and her two younger sisters had to navigate pathways forged through the household garbage to get to one room to the other. It was like beyond hoarder house looking. Oh, God, my stomach's turning already. That year, State Department of Social Services 
The investigators already were looking into the Cope family situation for two reasons. First, Amanda's parents had pleaded guilty just two years before to allowing Amanda and her sisters to live in a mobile home that was even worse than the house they were in now. It had no toilet. Buckets of urine and feces filled the space. Rotten food was everywhere, as well as rats. Yeah, Mama won't talk about how nasty this damn house is. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, ours is nothing like that. Exactly. Oh, man. DSS intervened. Cops charged Billy Wayne Cope and Mary Sue Cope with the unlawful neglect in 1999, and they pleaded guilty, and they promised to change. Over the next two years, Amanda's sisters told the Herald that Billy Wayne Cope remained cruel and abusive, using a paddle that he nicknamed Lucy to discipline them. And anytime somebody is naming their form of discipline, is it's not right. Yeah, you know something's real, real yeah. messed up there. Once they said Amanda was beaten black and blue. Early in 2001, someone noticed cockroaches crawling from the clothing and the book bags of the Cope girls. And DSS was alerted again. Amanda's mother worked the overnight shift at a factory and her father was 385 pounds. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus Christ. <laughs> with money for computers, and he worked part-time delivering chicken. Are you sure well, he was delivering that. it? Or? I, I don't see, know. I see why he's he might have been things. stuffing it. I don't know. Who knows? Amid all that, Amanda was learning to play the violin at school. I remember her walking into class. The smile was so sharp. A girl who wanted to know more with each passing day. That's what Jacob Dakin said, and he was a violinist himself, and that's who taught her. See, that makes it so much more sad. Like, it's like, because somebody, like, talks about the connection that they had with her. You know what I mean? It makes it so much more real feeling rather than just a story. Yes, and that, she, I mean, a violin's one of the harder instruments to learn, and you know that she had that drive to still want to do that. Right. Exactly. I think living in that kind of way, I mean, I wouldn't want even to be seen. No. No. But anyway, Amanda would not get the chance to learn. Not a lot. On the night of November the 29th, 2001, Amanda was raped. She was sodomized and she was strangled. Dakin also said that she was a beautiful child. He and this man, he's the assistant professor of music education at the University of Kansas. So he was a good teacher. And she was one of the reasons that he said that he continued to teach. Amanda Cope died by all accounts a horrible death. In a written statement to the Herald, her sister said that the Cope children had to live in filthy homes that their father was making sure his computer and desk were in good shape. That's the only thing he ever cleaned. And the girls, at times, they even lived without, like I said, the toilet. A pathologist testified in 2004 that Amanda had been subjected to repeated sexual abuse. She was, without a doubt, the victim that terrible November day in 2001. But not her father. He didn't say that she was a victim. He insisted that he is the victim of a merciless justice system that locked him onto him as a fat, sexually twisted pervert. And he said that they just had to find him guilty despite the presence of DNA from a sexual predator besides him. But Billy Wayne Cope claimed when he was arrested in 2001 and when he was on trial in 2004 and as lawyers, they always claimed that Cope slept through the rape and sodomy and strangling of his daughter. Now, come on. And what? they blame. Well, but he even admitted that he did. I mean, he there's a videotaped confession of him even showing how he did it. Yeah. And I mean, that is a hard thing to watch. 
Exactly. Like I that. watched that video and it the house is awful. You actually watched oh, it? Oh, I couldn't. The, the video of him reenacting it. Uh, you know that the police taped. Right. Yeah. And but- he is like on the bed. I mean, it's just like he has no emotion of what he did. I mean, he shows the entire like time period that he was strangling her and stuff. I mean, it's awful. Freaking psychopath. Oh my God. And that was that was his actual biological daughter, right? Yes. Oh yes. Oh my God. Not yes. not saying that it's even better, you know, it's better oh, it than somebody be. else's. No, but I just she mean was like... only she was only eleven. Yeah. Oh my God. But yeah, that was his real daughter. I mean, his biological daughter. <laughs> And it does. I mean, it wouldn't be any better, but it takes it to an even more and even twisted. yeah, more yeah. twisted level there. Yeah. Oh my god! Because how could you even look? You know, somebody that's your own flesh and blood. Oh my god! But Cope did confess to the crimes, and he even staged the scene to make it look like Amanda strangled herself with a blanket. Oh, whatever. That's bullshit. But he also confessed to sexual abuse of all three of his daughters. Really? But then he recanted it. His lawyer said that his confessions were false and coerced because police told him he had failed a polygraph exam that he actually had passed. (laughs) However, I'm going to tell you this, and I know that a lot of people say this man was not like questioned for like 24 hours or any, you know, like, yeah, like extreme harsh, are. like some people are. Right. Yeah. You can tell me that I failed a polygraph test, but I'm not going to say that I raped if all I, of my girls. If I didn't, you know, if I didn't saying. do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can understand sometimes people think, oh, I can get to go home or something like that after 24 hours of questioning. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that. But, but this was not hard questioning. Yeah, he just right away kind of went to it. And this man is not all there, I don't think. No. But Cope and the lawyers say that he was innocent and did not get a fair trial. Said it was no fair trial, despite four courts, including the highest court in the land, saying otherwise. Hmm. But he was convicted in 2004 of Amanda's rape and murder. And the ter- he said that he was asleep and that he woke up and he heard a woman screaming, like screeching, almost like it was a ghost or something, you know? And so he went to his daughter's room across the hall from where he slept. How he was, I mean, he couldn't have been sleepwalking because he would have never made it there. I mean, it, it was stuff everywhere. And got into her room. And she was laying on her stomach and that he and jumped on top of her and wrapped his hands around her and just, I mean, horribly strangling her. And she was screaming and screaming, didn't even know who was on top of her. But I think that she, I mean, she had to know because he was 385 freaking pounds. Exactly. Yeah. And that he just kept hearing this squealing, he said. And then he heard somebody else say, daddy, daddy. And then... After all that, he raped her, and then she would just quit moving. And then he then he all of a sudden woke up. But there was also a broom handle that was involved. Oh, my God. Broom handle? A broom, yes. Oh, my God. So but, it wasn't enough for him to just, like, no. violate, strangle, and rape his daughter, but yet he had to defile her with a broom handle as well. Yeah. Like, that yeah. he is one sick bastard. And on top of it, he was a reverend. Of course. I was going to say, of course he was, but like, never mind. I I know some people that are good, but still. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But you got to love the fanatic. The, I meant the just creeps. Yeah. There's a lot of creepos. My God. And he definitely was one of them. I'd question our pastor. I mean, ours is a little. Uh oh. Weird. Oh, my. There's himself. I mean, I'm just saying. Well, I could tell you guys a story. I'll tell you off air, but yeah, there's a, there was one when we were growing up too that was in our church, and he he got busted on some real real heavy charges when I was really young, for things that yeah. he was doing with little boys. So I mean, it it happens. It happens oh, it more does, often yeah. than you think. <laughs> oh, it does. Yeah. Actually, I meant well, 
I was molested by uh, the one uh, person that played the piano for the church. And, I mean, he was the principal for our school, too. But, I mean, he was, like, big in the church. You know, so well-respected. So, I mean, that's amazing. I mean, people do use that as a cover. Yeah, I mean, they they get in these positions of power and authority and, and trust, and they think that yep. they can just take advantage, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're taking the vulnerable and taking advantage of them. Yeah. Sick. But um, thankfully, Mr. Cope, he died in prison of a heart attack. How long was he in there? Uh, about 10 years. Oh, 10. Yeah, he didn't but suffer still enough. Not. No, no, no. I mean, I would have, I mean, but you know, nowadays, like, it's sickening to me how, like, if you get a death penalty, it's really not a death penalty. And I mean, you might not even, I, th- I, I mean, I'm not saying that everybody needs the death penalty that gets it, but for those that are truly, I mean, just evil, I mean, they need, it, some I mean, they, sort of, it's so expensive to keep them on death row. They need some sort of other punishment. But I mean, I don't, I don't know. But that's my story. That was. I God, mean, you really do go dark real fast. I'm so glad we started with yours. <laughs> yeah, every story. Yeah. Jeez. I just find the darkest of dark. My every Lord. Like, <laughs> I thought mine were bad. <laughs> yeah, that happened like about two hours away from us. Yeah. Yeah. I and, and then his also, and it's so funny, in the same year, <laughs> yeah. Drew's story happened the um, same county exactly. in the same year. Chester County. Yeah, his exactly. was Chester County. How far yeah. away is that from Rock it's Hill? It's 10 minutes. 10 oh minutes. Oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> Stay <laughs> away from that area. <laughs> yeah, yours was in November as well, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, my God. So November and in 2001, wait, no. Somewhere yeah, around there. Yeah, 2001. Mm-hmm. That is so odd. Uh, All right, Heather, give us something. That gave me goosebumps. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so the story that I'm going to tell you guys about is actually an ongoing trial right now. Um, and it's actually the case that made me want to start podcasting to begin with. So just a little backstory. When I first heard about this going on I when I when and I decided to podcast, I was like, this is the one that I want to cover. I want to make it like a serial type podcast and, you know, investigate it from the ground and blah, blah, blah. But there were so many like inner workings with this case and there was so much um, controversy about whether or not, you know, drug lords and all this different kind of stuff was involved in it. And people were like, ah, I think you should stay away from it. And like, this is going to get dangerous with the cartel and blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> um, needless to say, I am covering it you know, as updates come through on my Patreon page. So I'm going to give you guys basically the gist of it. And then like for the future stuff, it'll all be on the Patreon. So if anybody wants to hear updates on it, it'll be on there. But so you just given just a little tease. And if you want it all, (laughs) you got to go to Patreon. (laughs) Well, I'm going to give the majority of it. I'm going to give like the whole case of what happened and everything like that. And then all the way up through their arrest. But like, The proceedings that are happening currently, like, that'll be, like, updated stuff on Patreon. All right. All right. All right. So, I don't know if you guys have heard of it or not. It's the um, Roden Family Massacre or the Pike County Massacre. I don't know if I have. It kind of is ringing a bell. I don't know. I haven't heard of it. I'm just going to go out. Oh, you were looking at me weird, so I thought, maybe, did we do that? No, we didn't. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, we didn't. Oh, I think you would remember if you did. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's go. Let me All right. So it's like the most bizarre story that I've ever seen, like being or, or so the quote from our attorney general, Mike DeWine, said, this is the most bizarre story I've ever seen being in being involved in law enforcement. Um, and this was back in November of 2018, because that's right after they were captured. So he basically said that the defendants in the case had an obsession with custody and controlling children that were connected to the victims. Now, oh, I said gosh. victims. Four children? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah. Eh, yes and no. They were oh. the reason that people were killed, but oh, okay. you'll be happy to hear that it's not grisly like yours with children. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so if you haven't heard about this yet and you're from anywhere but Ohio, then I forgive you. So I forgive you guys. But if you are from Ohio and haven't heard about this case, 
it's probably because either you're really good at staying off the grid and away from the news or you've never left your home and you have zero access to media because it's been everywhere. <laughs> so it's um, like huge. huge it's, it's huge in Ohio. Yes. So this is one of the cases that literally makes you think of how messed up the world actually is. It makes you like want to hug your family, your loved ones, tell them you love them so much. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things that makes you stop and think about everything. Yeah. You want to yeah. lock your doors and windows because you just don't even know who could possibly want to kill you and for what reasons. Um, well, you know, around here, ain't, ain't too many people that... Yeah, we have a select few that could kill us. Yeah, a very select. <laughs> well, are you guys like way out in the boonies? We are. Oh, yes. <laughs> if you haven't, couldn't tell by the yeah, accent. Yeah. We are living a town of less than 500. Seriously? Uh, yes, yeah. seriously. We so don't tiny. even have a stoplight. We have a, we do have a flashing light, you know, a four-way yeah, stoplight. Oh, yeah. You have one. Yeah. <laughs> But that's yes. by the gas We have station. nowhere to eat, no fast food restaurants. Closest oh, no. one is about 20 minutes away. Oh, yeah. yeah closest oh. Walmart is 30 minutes away. Oh, yeah. I could so diet so well down there. I need to move down there. It's great as far as <laughs> you don't have to worry about anything. Kids play outside all the time. Don't yeah. have to worry about it. But it gets a little boring sometimes. You have to you make have to things interesting. Start a podcast, yeah. Start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Well, with this case, um, the rumor mill started up because it was like, oh God, it was like front lines. It was, it was headlines everywhere. So before getting into all the updates of it, I'm going to go through the facts of the case. So this all happened right. on April 22nd, 2016. So it was Easter weekend. Oh. Eight members of the Roden family ranging in age from 16 to 44 were found shot and killed in their beds in four different homes on the property. Wow. According to authorities on the case at the time, three of those houses had large marijuana farms, which is where everybody assumed, and that's where the rumor mill started, that the cartel was involved. So we'll circle, circle back to that in a minute. But the victims here were Christopher Roden Sr. He was 40. His ex-wife, Dana Manley Roden, who was 37. The couple's three children, Christopher Roden Jr., 16, Hannah Mae Roden, 19, and Clarence Frankie Roden, 20. Additionally, Frankie Roden's fiance, Hannah Gilly, was 20, and Christopher Roden Sr.'s brother, Kenneth Roden, was 44. And then they had a cousin named Gary Roden, who was 38. So and all, all of, these of these people, people were murdered. Wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is a lot. Yeah. So it makes you wonder, like, how did all of these people get murdered? Like at the same time, you know, in, in three different houses. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. Because it seems like it was with, I mean, did they get shot? Yes. Oh, because it seems like somebody would have heard it, you know, by the time yeah. they got right. to the last house. I mean, exactly. Mm -hmm. At least one person would have screamed or something. Yeah. Because knocking down the door or something. I don't know. Oh, God. Probably. They were sly. Oh, man. So. At the time of the murders, police said all but one of the victims were shot in the head execution style while they were asleep in their beds. Evil. Evil. Wow. Pure evil, yeah. The elder, Christopher Roden, was shot in the chest. <clears throat> and at the scene, there were three lives spared. So three people were not shot by them. And this was intentional. Uh. Cops stated that the three children were still alive and uninjured. There was a five five-day-old daughter of Hannah Roden. The baby, uh -huh. Kylie, um, was in bed next to Hannah when she was executed. So the baby was still lying next to her mother, like basically lying in her mother's blood. Because they left the baby there. Yeah. Jeez, that's Christ. It's kind of sick, bad. right? I mean, you, yeah, I mean, it's sick to do that. I mean, at least move the baby. I know. Take it with you or something. Yep. And this is the five-day-old. And... The two other children, there was a six-month-old and a three-year-old. So they were so all it, little it, babies. Yeah, and it does make, now saying that, it makes it seem like, hmm, who would do this? That it's kind of like they want the children. <laughs> Doesn't it sound like it? Yeah. Yeah. So anyone who listens to, follows, watches true crime in any way knows that the first suspects in homicides are those closest to the victims. In this case, we have eight individuals to whom we need to determine their circles, obviously. So 
the best way to describe it, I think, is like a pebble in a water, like the ripple effect from it. Yeah. So the pebble would be the victim in this case, and the pebble hits the water, makes a ripple effect, which means like the close tight ripples closest to the pebble would be like the family, then extending outwards, like the the coworkers, the friends, you know, stuff like that. You you get the point. Yeah. Yeah. So then you want to question all those people, right? So you have eight victims here, and this uh, county is actually really small in terms of like their resources, like their police department and stuff. So they don't have like the manpower to be able to investigate and like talk to people for all eight of these victims. Like it's, it was like way too much for this County. Yeah. Um, but they did, they took it on. Um, so this part of the investigation is key in bringing justice to the victims, obviously, because you want to know why, like, what's the motive? Why were these people killed? Why were every single one of the adults killed and the babies spared? Yeah, and Good who's question. left around, you know, that exactly. is close enough to them. Yeah. Exactly. And who would have motive to kill all of them? Like, you would think that maybe somebody had problems with one or two of the individuals, but every single one of them? Yeah, like not that many. It's like they definitely planned this. Uh-huh. They definitely did. And it was definitely more than one person. Kind of like a family affair. Yep. 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 <laughs> so... Go on, Mary J. <laughs> yep. So knowing that, I want to discuss someone named Jake Wagner. Jake Wagner was an ex-boyfriend of Hannah Roden. And the two shared a daughter who was three years old at the time, the one of the babies that was left in the house. And yeah. in June of 2016, roughly two months after the murders, Jake Wagner told Cincinnati.com that there was a 50-50 chance that he was Kylie's father and that he dated Hannah Roden for about three years before they welcomed their daughter, Sophia. So it, all of this already is tying into the children. Yep. Jake said that even if he wasn't Kylie's dad, he'd want mandatory visitation in order to see her regularly so that Sophia could spend time with her little sister. Which, fair, I mean, but... Understandable, understandable. But is that the right time to be bringing all that up? Like, no, no, <laughs> kind of no, puts no. a bullseye on your head, bro. Yeah. <laughs> So his mother, uh, Jake Wagner's mother, she was an alleged murder accomplice with Angela Wagner, also spoke to the Ohio News outlet back then, and they said they need each other, uh, basically talking about the little girls needing each other and Jake Wagner needing to have custody of them. Um, she said when they get old enough to understand, they will really need each other. So oh, for, yeah. for this part, Charlie Gilly, who is also the brother of the murder victim, Hannah Gilly, told the publication that he hired a lawyer and believed that Kylie was his daughter. So, like, we have all these custody issues even after all these murders. Meanwhile, even as police zeroed in on the Wagner family, so as the mom, the dad, Jake Wagner, his brother, and then both grandmas, so the mom's uh, mother and the dad's mother, like, this is messed up. This is messed up, and it's a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a lot of freaking Sounds things. Like I know. It's, it's happening around here. six oh. adults who killed eight other adults. God. Yeah. This, I mean, it sounds like some redneck shit that would go around here. I just said that. <laughs> he literally know, just said that. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I don't listen to him. I know that. You don't listen to that <laughs> shit that I say, but I just keep going anyway, so... It literally, I, I'll send you guys pictures later, though. Like, this reminds me of what the area that you guys are talking about you live in. It That area reminds me of it. Like, it's just out there. They all have their own land out there, and the houses are, like, spread out on it. So it's like... It's like they have their own little country, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, that's how that's how a lot of it is around here. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so even as police were zeroing in on the Wagner family, Jake Wagner just couldn't resist. He just kept running his mouth. He kept talking to the media, which that's another red flag. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, you know, it, it kind of sounds like other killers who return to, like, the crime scenes and insert themselves into the investigations. They want to know what's going on. What are they getting away with? What are they you know, hiding from police that police can't find. It's like literally yep. what he was doing. Yep. Yes. How close are they getting? Mm-hmm. So um, I'll fast forward a little bit. I'll skip some of the other details for now. But 
Throughout the course of the investigation, officials had been pretty tight-lipped about the specifics of the case, obviously, but people still talk, you know? There's going to be rumors everywhere. So originally, when authorities arrived on scene, they noted that there were marijuana farms at three of the four houses where the victims were found. And that transpired into the rumor of the cartel. (laughs) That wacky That's that wacky weed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in the beginning, everybody was talking around town like, oh, you know, they were involved in some heavy drug stuff. The cartel was involved. That's that's who killed them. And, you know, drug lords don't kill kids. So that's why the kids were spared. None of that was real. That uh, none of that is what happened. <laughs> um so Let's see. I have a little bit more. So the suspects were, um, so George Billy Wagner III was the dad. He was 47. Angela Wagner was the wife and the mom. She was 48. George Wagner IV was 27. And Edward Jake, they called him Jake Wagner, was 26. He's the reason all of this started. Um, They were indicted on November 12th of 2018. They face eight counts each of aggravated murder with death penalty specifications because Ohio is a death penalty state. They also face additional charges, including conspiracy, engaging in a pattern of corrupt activity, aggravated burglary with tampering with evidence charges, along with forgery. And the forgery charges are for allegedly falsifying child custody documents, which is where the grandmothers come into play. Like they didn't go and shoot anybody, but they forged documentation for Jake Wagner to like get custody of the daughter. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, at least two of them really didn't shoot anybody, I guess, but (laughs) Um, the grandmothers did also help cover up the crimes. So they knew that they went and shot these people and they helped cover it up. Um, in 2018, the summer of 2018, investigators announced that the Wagner family was wanted for questioning and had recently moved to Alaska. So they even like skipped state. They moved to Alaska to get away from all this, thinking that they had like gotten out scot-free. But like the FBI and the police here in Ohio were like tailing them. Like they had been watching them for months. Yeah. Well, actually years, if you think about it. But yeah. Um, I think I have the specific numbers. I, let me see. Because there's just so much here. But um, I did have, yeah, here we go. So they had made several purchases, including brass catchers to catch spent shell casings so that they wouldn't remain at the crime scene. So they thought that out. They planned that out. Um, they bought a bug detector ammunition, and magazine clips in the months leading up to the killings. They also shared information on the victim's properties and counter-surveillance devices at locations including pets and indictment states, or the indictment states including their pets. Um, Prosecutors say that the family also destroyed or tampered with evidence, including uh, video... (laughs) (laughs) This is a lot. Yeah. video recording devices that Jake Wagner purchased in March of 2016, which was, you know, the month right before the murders, parts of a home security system and trail cameras, as well as phones belonging to some of the victims. The Wagners were also accused of illegal monitoring of various social media accounts. Um, I mean, they even left behind a trail of their crimes. So like they left behind parts that they used to build the silencers And the forged documents. And then they were pretty sloppy. They were really sloppy. Like they thought all this out. They planned all this out. They bought the silencers. They built the guns the right way. They got these shell casing remover things. But Um, then leave all this shit behind. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And then like the whole money, (laughs) the trail of everything, like the cell phones that they had tapped into the social media accounts. Like they didn't think that they were going to get caught with that stuff. (laughs) There was this. They're not Idiots. the smartest, which they usually aren't the smartest, but. Yeah. And the more that we do true crime, it's like you realize how unsmart people are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. So there's literally, I have probably 60 pages worth of information on them, but that's the Jesus gist of Christ. it. Yeah. They, <laughs> that's <laughs> the gist of it. They got arrested. They're all like awaiting trial. 
Um, I believe one one of the grandmothers is now out of jail. She was on house arrest for a while. Um, and then the other one, I believe she goes back to court for another preliminary hearing uh, really soon. Or she went last week. I can't remember. Um, but as soon as I have more updates on that, that'll also be on my Patreon. But yeah, this is like an ongoing case. It could take 10 years, years and it could take <laughs> millions of dollars to... Yeah you know, go through this whole process for each individual, you know, suspect and and go through the trials and, you know, sentence them and everything. But I mean, it's just sick. Like all three of these little children now are going to live without any of their parents. Yeah. Yeah. It's disgusting. Uh, It's it's almost, almost as bad as not living. I meant, because that's horrible to learn. I mean, even whenever they grow up, they're going to hear how their parents died. Yeah, I thought about that too. Once, once I found out that they were spared, it's like, yeah. yay, they get to live. But then you think about it, and it's yeah. like, but yeah. at what cost? And that, then, yeah, because then you look, who do they have to live with? You know, exactly. they, they have no family that's close to raise them. They don't have grandparents, parents. No. You know, they probably get abused. Uncles, I'm aunts, nothing. Bullied. Yeah, <laughs> I said abused. I'm a bullied. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, and it was so it's so expensive too that they actually I wish I saw the numbers. I'll have to send the numbers to you guys at least. Um I have them written down somewhere, but uh they had oh my gosh, so much help from other um police stations and stuff like that and other uh law enforcement agencies to help with this investigation because they couldn't afford it. And even yeah. with like the trial costs, they they've been getting help from other uh counties. Because, you know, Pike County isn't that big and they don't have the resources to fund this type of huge crime. You know what I mean? Yeah. They like they've never really seen anything this big in their county. They don't know how to handle it. They don't have the manpower. Yeah. Because they kind of it kind of sounds like us, like how we are. Yeah, you know, like, it's not even our a county f- does. It's not like a right. huge city where you're going to have all this. Even experience, mm-hmm. not to mention manpower. Oh, right. we're so close that even our cousin is a is a deputy or something like that. Yeah, out of like four <laughs> cops that surround yeah. a span of thirty miles. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, where we used to live, um, it's actually not far from me at all. It's like twenty five minutes now. But my dad was a cop there, and we lived. <laughs> When I was little, I was like, I don't understand why this is called a village, but like I get it now because a village is smaller than like 3,000 people. So my dad was a cop there and I thought that was small, but you guys only have 500. I don't even think you guys can call yourselves a town. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's really not. It's more of a community. You guys are a side Uh, item. You guys aren't even like an entree. No, no, we're (laughs) very, a very, just a sampler. A sampler. sampler. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, yeah, that's we do my have story. A Dollar General, though. Oh, there you that go. Is, that's there a plus. Go. That's yeah. a plus. We have pharmacy, I think. Yeah, it's inside a grocery store. See, you guys are like the perfect setup for a horror movie, too. Oh, like, it we is. have one oh, it is. flashing light. We have one pharmacy. Yeah. <laughs> one yep. gas station. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drive seventy-five hope, and, and you miles. Hope that, that the deputy that's near their cell phone has signal. Because they in the wrong part of the house, it didn't go have no signal. Right. Exactly. I called 911 three hours ago. Good luck. He's in the boonies, you know. He's- <laughs> I know, yeah. Oh, well, nah. we have him going all over the place sometimes. So, yeah. Because we live down a dirt road also. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, wow. you guys are so oh, country. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just got high-speed internet like a year or so ago. Oh, it's great. <laughs> and it's wonderful. We're off of Fusenet, which is not all they claim it to be. Oh, it sucks. It's not good. <laughs> the struggles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having high speed internet. Yeah. First world problems. <laughs> oh, well. Well, that was a very large and Intense. confusing. Like, you need, you almost need, like, a, one of, you know, like a, a map or so, a big board on the wall that to have all these, the, yeah, to connect and everything. Yeah, to connect the people. Oh, my God, yeah, you yeah. need the red string. You should have seen me trying to, like, script that stuff out when I first wrote I it. Bet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> all right, Drew, you got something for us? Yes, I do. Thank you for asking. Oh, I saved the best for last, but it's not really the best oh, for last. Oh, that's why you said you wouldn't go. <laughs> just, just so you could say that. I, 
Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I hit the table. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to be doing Christopher Frank Pittman. And he was born April 9th, 1989, in Huntsville, Alabama. He was convicted in 2009 of murdering his grandparents, Joe and Joy Pittman, on November 28, 2001, when he was just 12 years old. Wow. The case drew national attention, in part because of his age at the time of the crime and in part because of his defense that the prescription drug Zoloft influenced his actions. That's a powerful drug. It really is. (laughs) Yeah. Pittman was sentenced to 30 years in prison, which was reduced to 25 years on appeal. At age 12, Pittman ran away from home twice, threatened suicide, was picked up by police, and confined to a facility for troubled or runaway children. He was confined there for six days. While there, he was put on Paxil for mild depression. His father, Joe, sent him away from their home in Oxford, Florida, to live with his grandparents in Chester, South Carolina, where he frequently visited. His paternal grandparents had been a source of stability to him for years in a life with a mother who had run out on him twice and a father who Pittman claimed to have been abusive. Well, that's a great family life. Really setting this up for a serial killer. Yeah, and I mean, it's amazing how many screwed up parents make such messes of children's lives. Yeah. Yep. His doctor and Chester, having no samples of Paxil to give Pittman, gave him samples of Zoloft instead. And at a child that young, though, I mean, you hear it all the time on the TV, though. You know, under 18, it causes all these other side right, effects. Right, right, yep. You, I mean, you really it should not be allowed unless they're in the hospital where they can be monitored. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be given any type of new drug. Yeah. Yeah. Although both drugs are selective serotonin root take inhibitors. <laughs> that's a that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> what? I act, I read over it three times while y'all were talking, just to make sure that I would get it right to sound smarter, even though that I had and now no you've idea said all this <laughs> no, to I, take away. I'm sorry. I had to say it. Uh, I'm well, proud of you, son. You're doing I'm great. So proud. Yes, I'm, sure I can I'm tell. proud. Um, With similar modes of selective action, of roughly substituting one for the other is usually not advisable. Almost immediately, Pittman allegedly began to experience negative side effects from the new medication. His sister went so far as to describe him as a maniac. He purportedly experienced a burning sensation all over his body, which required pain medication. Wow. He complained about the... That's yeah. I mean. So I mean, that's actually kind of confusing though, because like usually when you get burning sensations all over your body, it's usually like a nerve thing, which you wouldn't yeah. take a painkiller for. No, I mean it kind of seems like he was messed up on a cocktail. Yeah. Well, um, it I didn't even read all the side effects that Zoloft is could um, bring to you, but it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, and I but think, still, yeah, like she said, it would yeah, be a no, nerve thing. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm still going to read. Unless you're rest. on fire, of course. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, he complained about um, the side effects of the drug. At, at a subsequent doctor's visit, his doses was increased from 100 milligrams daily. Because that'll make the side which, effects better. Yeah, which he was already on to 200 milligrams daily. So double. Oh, my yeah. God. That's insane. Like, ah, I'm really confused. I mean, it was in 1989, though. I mean, they probably yeah. didn't have, like, the scientific information, the, you know, studies to back up what it could do. But I feel like doubling it like that is definitely a no-no. Yeah. It seems like these doctors really were. They don't know what they're... Well, there again, though, we are in Chester, South Carolina. <laughs> that is, that's true. Um, Zoloft of course, has severe side effects in children, including aggressive, aggravated depression, abnormal dreams, paranoid reactions, hallucinations, aggrava- ag- aggressive behavior, and delusions. 
Risk from overdose include potential manic reactions. Pittman had an argument on the school bus. He choked a fellow student and later disturbed the person playing piano in his church. That night, November 28, 2001, after receiving a paddle spanking from his grandfather. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now that, that's like out there. Like I know he's it at is. school, a paddle spanking. At least it wasn't named. He didn't have a name yeah, for the paddle, did he? did not did have he? a name for okay. it. No, All he right. didn't. All right. Pittman went into his grandparents' room and murdered them with their own shotgun, which he was taught how to use by his grandfather. You had After to add the, that in there, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After the murder, he set the fire to the house using a candle and papers. Pittman took his grandparents' car, their guns, his dog, and $33 and left. He was picked up after getting um, stuck two counties away for a traffic stop. Wow. And that's what's got him stopped. Yeah. It always is. Look at Ted Bundy. I know. know. It's like if you're going to do stuff wrong, you know. Drive normal. Be Don't smarter. Drive. Yeah, my baby law. Either drive smarter or just like walk. You yeah, know, just like, walk. Yeah. Well, Don't ride a bike because then you're going to be falling off the bike. To be honest, he was 12. Yeah, I, I do understand that. I can't even imagine. So it would be old. like Joanna driving a car, which yes. sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to say the least. Yeah. But I can't, Lord. I could but man, he got $33 out of the deal, you know? Yeah, $33. $33. <laughs> And used candles and paper to burn, you know, uh, like, I guess he didn't even use gas or anything. Just the no, candles, candles and paper. And paper. Yeah. Oh, my well, gosh. 12, I mean, he, I guess uh, what else are you going to use whenever you're 12? Yeah. Um, before confessing, he told a story of a large black male who had kidnapped him after murdering his grandparents and setting fire to their house. Of course he chose I was. That I was just going to say that. Because <laughs> that's what you always got to say. Exactly. Um, wow. When he ultimately confessed, he proclaimed that his grandparents deserved what they got. Oh, wow. Pittman's um, father testified that the incident occurred two days after Christopher's Zoloft dosage had been doubled. On Monday, January 31st, 2005, three years after the murder, his trial as an adult began. The case involved several important issues, including considerations of mental capacity regarding his age the other issue was the impact of the zoloft on his middle state there was also the considerations of whether his crimes should be considered murder or some form of manslaughter ultimately the focus of the trial was on the zoloft the prosecution focused on proving that Pittman um, did know the difference between right and wrong and his culpable mental status was revealed by such factors as planning the cover-up such that he would escape before the fire started by use of the candle and the steps he took during his flight from the scene. On February 15, 2005, Pittman was convicted of murder and sentenced to 30 years in prison. Okay. And that's it. Two things. So uh, what, what was the year 1989? Is that when he was born? 1998 was whenever he was born. Oh, okay. So I but, I was confused yeah, earlier right. then. I said 89 for some reason. Yeah, no, so. I was about to him. I said, what's 89? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the hell am I talking about then? Okay, so now it makes yeah, a lot more sense. they should have been a lot better at prescribing stuff by then. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm like, okay, now what I said didn't even make sense. Okay, so, and then second thing, how do you guys feel about him getting 30 years at the age of 12? I don't like it. And here again, speaking of parents, I feel like the parents' messed up life is kind of what caused his depression to begin with. Exactly. And on top, the doctor being a dipshit doesn't know what he's talking about. No, it's also I, a case of it. I mean, given I meant the pain medicine on top of Zoloft. I mean, there was a whole. Yes, he did this. However, I do I do not think at twelve years old. I mean, there's a whole lot of other I think without the medicines that he probably wouldn't. Yeah, but he would have been thinking about it. He might have been. Right. But he needed, 
I believe he needed counseling. Yeah, so, and I think that, you know, he did commit the crime, so he does need punishment. But at time, the same yes. time, he Not his brain years. is still developing until he's like 25. So, like, he's yeah. still, if you think about it, almost like an infant brain, it seems like. You know, he's just 12. He's a baby. Yeah. I mean, yes, until you're 18 or even 21. Yeah, I would keep him until he's at least 18. Yeah. Well, but reasonable. not until not 30 years down the line. Yeah, no. he definitely needs some type of counseling, some serious, serious rehab. Oh, and yeah. And I believe stuff. instead of prison, he should have been sent to a psychiatric unit. Oh, yeah. To get help because you're not getting the proper help in a prison. See, but that's nope. the problem. Like, all now, even nowadays, like, People that actually need the help don't get the help because they're just sentenced in the prison. Yeah, and they're just thrown in the prison, no, and that's not nothing. the. Pl- I don't. I don't really think prison is the place for him. I mean, yes, maybe even send him to a unit first, a uh, hospital type situation. Get his meds correct. See how he does there after the help that he needs. Then reevaluate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all I got. That That's a rough a one, though. That was a rough one, too. Oh, wow. I, I, I'm so used to yours that I just thought that. Yeah, it was pretty rough. That, that was, was rough. Because gr- I mean, it's sad. I mean, it's sad, too. Exactly. Because, you know, you feel it, sorry for him at the same time. Yeah, but then you're I also do. like, oh, God, he did something so bad. But at the same time, would he have had his life been a exactly. little bit different? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's scary. Well, this was fun. Yeah. Very crimey. Yeah, yes. very crimey. Lots <laughs> of great stories. Yeah. 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 Well, um, that's all we have for this episode. <laughs> we are going to have an extra episode. It's going to be about urban legends. So keep an eye out for that one as well, you guys. And yep. for my ending, stay inside, stay alive, and don't call the cops. <laughs> And ours is so simple. As always, I've been Stan. And I'm always Drew, and we're signing out to you. See y'all. Bye. All right.